The gods of Amilta sleep in their treacherous homes. Augustine rests at the center of a huge whirlpool. Hector dreams from the back of the king of the desert. These are the gods of Amilta, and have been for as long as the people of Amilta can remember. But have they always been? Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I am your host, your king, your special guest star. It's me, Kat. Hi, Kat. Guest starring on their own show. That's how you know it's special. That's how you know it's special. Mm-hmm. I just got real jealous of all Bill's special guest attention, so I kicked him <laughs> off the show and took his role. <laughs> Today, it is just the four of us. We have Kathleen. We do have Kathleen. We have Kirsten. What's up? Hi. And we have Nick. Yes, we do. We do have Nick. We do have Nick. We have Nick. Is the thing? We have him. We have him. We got him right here. We have a Nick? Not over there. Right here. <laughs> Although I would often go there to the tiny church there. <laughs> the smallest uh. church in San San. Though it once was larger. Previously, <laughs> on Sword of Symphonies, the party returned from their Bat-Bell excursion, finally, to find Isabel safe and sound in her father's apothecary shop. Mad as a hornet, absolutely livid, but safe and sound. Father and daughter soon made amends, and speaking of hornets, unleashed medicinal bees on the party. And... Then everybody enjoyed a nice fish dinner together as friends. Which was a little bit weird for Cecile and his daughter, neither of them being particularly accustomed to friend having. And then the crew of the Westbreaker was set loose on the second largest city in Amilta, Hushwave City. And now my question is, what did they do there? That's right, folks, it is a Westbreaker episode. Just a couple little interstitial scenes before we get back on to the next arc. I think Cobb has a couple of things. Obviously, Cobb is very tired from all of these medicinal hornets and other jungle nonsense, so he's probably just kind of taking it easy. But also, he is probably going to hang out with Sot because... They kind of haven't hung out for a while. He keeps going off on adventures and stuff. Yeah. You're going to do some some father-son bonding? Uh, yeah, a little bit in town before we head out. That's nice. I like that. So what what would you propose that they do? It would probably start on the boat while they were doing, like, some of the boring stuff. Cobb is just kind of watching... Watching Sot tally things up and just, you know, is thinking back to all the time that Sot's been spending on the boat here and just kind of says, hey. Huh? Hey, come over here for for a minute, Sot. Hi, sir. And he closes his book and meanders over. We've, we've got another, well, we've got a little bit of a trip back to Stageport. Is there anything you want to do while we're still here? Uh, um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'm a little hungry. 
what was that place you were talking about uh, that we we had to skip over just a little bit there because the line was looking a little long. Why don't we go? Why don't we go check it out? We've got the time now. I'm sure the boat can look after. Well, the the rest of everybody here can look after the boat, and Cobb kind of like nods over to Gideon. She gives one of her. Her salutes are getting lazier and lazier the longer she spends on the Westbreaker. I think slowly but surely she is unsoldiering herself. She just kind of leans back on the barrel she was sitting on and waves a little. Leave it to me. Here, bring the book with you. Let's go over it some. I think maybe it's time that I helped out a little bit more with that. Uh, sure. I've had some... Well, let's just say there's been some interesting things that have happened, and uh, I think we can hop into more of this uh, later. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go get lunch. So the two of you disembark from the Westbreaker, book in hand, to a small little dockside restaurant that came highly recommended by one of the crew members who used to be aboard the Westbreaker when Marcus was shipping with you. Last time you were in the city, you didn't have a chance to make it in. The reputation reached you even before you'd boarded the Westbreaker, but Sot first heard of it from the crew. And even for lunch, there's a bit of a line, but nowhere near as bad as last time the two of you were there. And so you find yourself standing outside the restaurant in the heat, getting nearer and nearer to the front door, where bustling staff usher people in, usher people out, and occasionally take a moment to sigh and fan themselves and look up at the sky and wonder why it's doing that to them. Yeah, Cobb is just kind of like, as they're waiting, is looking over the book with thought. So uh, this was, this was, this last week? Mm-hmm. Cobb is trying very hard to kind of piece together what's going on here. Um... I should say, he's trying very hard to piece together what's going on in the ledger because Cobbin numbers aren't super uh, acquainted, shall we say. Mm. Didn't you teach him how to keep the ledger? Not really. Cobb taught him the books that the captain had that went over how to keep the ledger. Gotcha. Cobb was a passive conduit for this knowledge. It passed through him without leaving an impact. Cobb taught the basics, but this is sought after having done this for a while and who is probably moving on, but also it's a lot of work. So Cobb is trying to, you know, cut back on the workload that Sot is starting to run into. Uh-huh. It's been a little while since the ship, you know, has loaded and, un- and unloaded. So it's not just like, here's a real simple, we got the treasure. It's like, you know, no, uh, how much water, how much food, you know, all the big fancy stuff that Cobb never really did too much of that Sot's just kind of been learning on his own. Yep. And he's actually picked up a bunch from Gideon as well, whose experience has taught her a thing or two about provisioning to be delicate. Very true. She's also better at math than Cobb. And eventually the staff let the two of you into the restaurant and it is much cooler inside in the shade. There are paintings of the jungle hanging on every available wall. 
variety of different artists, but always a view close to the city. As if just the beginning of an adventure in front of you. And I think the specialty here has got to be some kind of seafood. We're in a port town. We're near the docks. May I suggest conch? You may and should. Yeah. Definitely a spicy conch dish. That sounds lovely to a person who eats seafood. <laughs> yeah, Cobb is definitely ordering one of those. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the special for me and saw it for you. Uh, they have swordfish. And one of the swordfish. He grins a little bit. And eventually, as the two of you are going over your books, the staff arrive with your food. Conscious served kind of like shrimp cocktail style in a little glass with a bright orange red sauce. There's a nice swordfish steak, which is entirely too much for Saad to eat, and a bed of vegetables, which he does eat. I think spending so much time around Clara got him accustomed to eating vegetables. <laughs> they had to go somewhere. They had to go somewhere. She wasn't going to do it. So this responsible little lad is eating his vegetables and talking with you about the ledger. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we took on some more water yesterday. So we're, uh, we're okay on that front. Uh, oh yeah, canvas. I'll, I'll talk to, I'll talk to somebody about that. Yeah. And the shipping leads we had while we came in here, have those been working out? More or less. More or less, yeah. All right. It's a little weird getting back into the more, uh, more into the actual sailing life, seeing as uh, it's been a little while, but it's it's also nice, although, hey, why don't, why don't we take a little vacation once we get back to stage port? Yeah. Don't see why not. What do you say? Just you and me. I'm sure the others can keep things going around. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I haven't been very deep into Stageport, just mostly stayed around the docks with the crew last time. Oh, I know a lot of great places that we can go. Uh, though I guess I am going to have to figure out something to do for everybody else. Well, I think I, I think I may know someone over there. Yeah? Yeah, I think, I think I might know someone who can help us out. Well, help everybody else out. Well, you're the captain. If we're setting sail for Stageport, we're setting sail for Stageport. I wonder. The fishing is pretty good in Stageport. Oh, definitely. Especially this time of year. Well, I, that's what I spent most of my time doing last time we were there. Business and fishing. Well, it's been a little while since I've done, since I've done a little uh, fishing around Stageport as well. I'm not half bad at it if I don't say so myself. And Cobb, it's hard to get a read if he's actually being serious here or if he's trying to look cool for Sot. Do you think we could go on a fishing trip then? You know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. And having finished half of his vegetables, he moves on to his swordfish steak and he seems really happy. He seems real excited about going on a fishing trip with the captain. 
So my next most question is, what are Tissa and Penelope doing? Well, Captain is having lunch with everyone's favorite cabin boy. Um, I think that Penelope has decided she's been on the ship long enough that she's become more comfortable on the ocean. So, like, it's not the prairies, but she's she's become comfortable. So I think she wants to learn how to, like, orient herself on the ocean so she can be of help if needed. Just, like, pick up the basics, that kind of thing. So I think she's going to, like, approach Tissa and, um... You know, start asking questions about how Tissa navigates. Okay. Okay. I would like you to tell me some of the clips that are in this montage, please. Sure. And, um, like, what time of day is it? Uh, how much time do we have on the Westbreaker? Question mark. You guys have got the day to yourselves. Okay. Um, so, I think it's still, like, early-ish morning. Not super early, because we know Penelope. But um, I think she's, like, on the deck, uh, checking things out, you know, helping with ropes, things like that. And um, where would she find Tissa? I think that today she is on the ship's bow, and she is sort of a little bit on top of the gunnel and she is balancing herself with the spear like you would a tightrope pole. <laughs> That's so <laughs> dangerous, Tissa! Oh, Tissa. It is. No. Oh, wow, Tissa. <laughs> You've got some good balance I, there. I, oh. And Tissa rolls adaptability athletics. And does fall backward back onto the deck of the ship. Oh. Oh, Tissa, like, that was so awesome. But I hope you're all right. Oh, oh, yes. Hi. Um, good morning? Morning. Oh, uh, hey, I brought you some breakfast. Here. And um, Penelope oh. passes over some toast. The toast disappears, like, extremely quickly. Tissa has the look in her posture of someone who is hung over but pushing through it in very weird ways. You've got some great balance there. Like, that was pretty awesome. Do you... Do you ride at all? I think uh, you'd be a natural. Um... Only on Polly a couple of times? A couple, um... No, because we, we didn't have horses. We had boats, but little boats. Mm. And then ever since then, I've just walked everywhere. Oh. Well, w would you like to learn? I could take you for a spin on Polly. I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Oh. Do you think that she would be okay with that? I mean, I guess she was okay the one time. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Penelope calls over Polly. Polly! Yeah, like, Polly trots over. She likes Tissa, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Polly has no problem with Tissa. Polly's a good cloud elk. Mm, well, she's very likable. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky that when I fly... Polly has a good sense of direction. That's kind of how we get where we need to go. Mm -hmm. But how do you, 
How do you find where you need to go? Like, I'm so curious. When you're traveling, how do you find your way? Mm, mm, mm. Um, hmm. I mean, you look up. You need to look up because... So, first, it's... Sun's over here. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that cloud? Yeah. Over to your left? Um, it's moving this way. And mm -hmm. so now you know both where east is, and then you know where the wind is coming from. And it's still early enough that you can see just a little bit of right next to, look down now, down from oh, this cloud, okay. and you look right next to the sea, and there's still that little bit of a glinting. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, over there. Yeah. It's, there's this whole web of all of these things. So I guess I know where my north star is, I know where the sun is, I know where the wind is coming. Um, you look at the mountains over there where we just were, Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be south-southwest. Okay. And then every time you just make a little map in your head and you look at which of the strands on the web you're connected to. You, um, yeah. Oh, how do you keep it all in your head? Like, do you ever draw it down or? Um, I'm... I mean, my journal's too small to write it down. Hmm. And then I think Penelope begins to sketch out some of the landmarks and directional points that Tiss has been pointing out. And then she kind of, like, pauses for a bit. You know that thing that Marcus used to use? He would, like, point it out and take measurements on the horizon? Oh, um, um, um. And Tissa runs back downstairs to find the sextant that Marcus, in fact, lent her, if I remember correctly. And comes back up. Yeah, like this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a lot of things that you can keep track of, you can use this one to... You can put numbers to it. You can be like, okay... And I don't think that I want to, in character, describe what an arc second is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Tissa's showing the sextant, Penelope is again doing some more sketches. Well, and do you see the way that, if you look at the angle here, it's curved. And if you look far enough out there through the scope, the ocean curves too. Oh. It's going down. Oh, yeah, I see it. Because it's like, when I fly on Polly, if I get, like, high enough, I can see that, too. Like, when we fly over the land or, or the sea, I guess. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So this is how we begin our training montage with Tissa teaching Penelope how the stars work. And Penelope... Paying attention and learning? Is that what I... Yeah, yeah. actually. I think... So Penelope is, like, super into it, especially when she gets to, like, draw out some of the parts 
of the lesson. Like she makes some really, really like it helps her kind of focus to to point out the landmarks and sketch them out. And then she's like particularly fond of like when Tissa does some very cool and dramatic poses of like pointing out the different things. Tissa's like looking in one direction and pointing in two others and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very excellent. Very Penelope. <laughs> Pollyanna is standing there and just like, why'd you call me over here? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Penelope now remembers that she had called over Polly and uh, puts a hand on Polly's neck. And Would would you like to, to go for a bit of a spin? Um, um, um. She looks at Pollyanna and sort of like does the thing that she does sometimes where she sort of like offers her hand near Pollyanna's nose to sort of like. Oh, yeah. Polly shoves at it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I myself (laughs) know nothing about riding. But um, Penelope is able to kind of show Tissa the basics of how to mount and dismount and things like that. It is so not as easy as Penelope makes it look. It's so not as easy as Penelope makes it look. She's like trying real hard to like hold on gently and like not tug at things and like. Penelope is so much taller than Tissa is. Yeah, five minutes in and your legs are killing you. Uh huh. You didn't even know there were muscles there, and now they're <laughs> sore. Does Pollyanna ride with reins? Is it some sort of touch thing that you do? <laughs> She's not a rain haver. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, again, I. I'm. I'm not. I don't know much about riding at all, but I think that it's more like, you know, a simple riding blanket and probably like directed with touch as opposed to reins. Mm-hmm. Like, I think maybe Penelope ends up, like, guiding Tissa's hands a little bit as to where they're supposed to go and, like, yeah. how you're supposed to tell Pollyanna, um, let's go this way or let's look this way. Yeah, and I think, like, Tissa and Penelope do some nice, easy loops and kind of, I think, yeah, Penelope is sitting behind Tissa and kind of guiding how to position her hands and feet and things like that. Okay. That's very cute and sweet. I think we see Tissa and Penelope just doing a couple slow, easy circles around the city. And Tissa, there's so much to see from the air. It's overwhelming. There is so much to see through the air. Yeah, I I, I think, I get the feeling that it might become much for Tissa (laughs) after a short while. You're the one who gets to say these things are canon, not me, but Mm -hmm. there's so much to look at. I think that maybe after they've landed, what she says is, no wonder you draw everything down. There's so much. There's definitely a lot. It it takes a, it's a bit overwhelming at first, but now I kind of, I kind of love the vast perspective it gives. Does it ever stop feeling like way too fast? Yeah, it, it will. It will. It will get more comfortable. Um, you know, in the beginning, it feels quite you know exposed, but you begin to feel more comfortable, and 
Huh. Thanks. Yeah, but the really, you you get so much more if we can look at night. And because you might know some of the things that you already need to know, because you probably know story. Everyone has stories about. And Tissa trails off, I guess, in like talking about constellations. Penelope also is flipping back to some older sketches. Uh, and she's got some pictures of like flying at night in the night sky. And there's uh, like some of the constellations that Tissa is talking about. They recognize together in, in the sketches. That's lovely. That was kind of a collaboration between the two of you. But Kathleen, do you have anything that you would like to do in addition to that? Uh, maybe something short. I think that it's the evening and... No one else is up on deck. Tissa's looking off into the distance. And um, I would like Gadian to come up just briefly. Yeah. She is a night owl. She's no longer declaring that she'll never sleep again, but she still stays up quite late. Mm-hmm. Is it dark already? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Red about the navigation stars earlier, but, um, 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 you asked a question. Oh, <laughs> I was playing a prank on you. Oh. But if you have an answer, I'd like to hear it. Um, I, uh, I think if I learned anything while I was out there, it's that, um, I don't think I know. I think it's really big. Mm. That's, that's not what it means. I think that's more what it is, but it's really big and it's, uh, my head still hurts. Mm. Maybe you should get some sleep. I know, I know, I know. But maybe if your head hurts. My head does hurt. She stretches. Mm. Yeah, the world is huge, isn't it? Yeah. The same world has both the tundra and the tropics in it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Hmm, I think lots of things don't mean things. No? Or if they do, they don't mean to mean things. Hmm, but I think that sometimes they mean things whether or not they mean to mean things. That's true, too. I think whether or not you mean to mean things has no bearing on whether or not you end up meaning things. Hmm. So, that means if things mean things whether or not they mean anything. Huh. Oh. You mean, does it mean anything whether or not you mean to mean anything? 
Yeah, I think that's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <sighs> Tissa sort of gives Gideon a little bit of an affectionate shoulder check. She definitely returns that gesture, yes. <sighs> I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah, if your head hurts, you should get some rest. Thanks. Hope you feel better in the morning. Would be nice, huh? Mmm. I spent all of today scouting out breakfast places. Oh. 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 Now that's meaningful. Yes, I'm extremely serious. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. As you are walking somewhere, maybe you're all returning to the ship after doing some errand or another the next day in town. And you walk by the establishment owned and operated by your new friend, Cecile, to see that its door is off its hinges. The front is battered and smeared with what looks at a distance like gold paint. The front window is broken. The window leading to the portion of it that does have windows. I think Penelope would like to roll a, a sensitivity. Sure, you got a skill with that? Um, sensitivity, humanity? Yeah, because um, she's keeping her eyes out to see if there's like other people around the, the shop, um, things like that. Yeah. And one success. You know what, one success will be enough. One success will be enough that you can see that someone has, despite the fact that the door is hanging off its hinges and splintered, somebody has switched around the open sign to closed. And you can hear voices from inside the establishment. Do I, do I recognize any of them? Mm, I'm going to say yes, because you grew up with Rada. You can recognize Rada's voice. Okay. I think Penelope carefully walks in and calls out to Rada and Isabel and the other people to make her presence known. And I'm assuming, by the way, that the three of you are together. Okay. Fine by me. Cobb will give Penelope backup on this one. He is concerned as well. Yeah. The room is empty. The apothecary portion of the building is closed, after all. The sign on the broken door says so. There is a large vaguely orange golden colored cat sitting on the desk and at your approach it hops off hitting the ground with a heavy thud and starts limping toward the door leading to the speakeasy portion of the building a daybreak did something happen and daybreak because that is who this is reaches a pop and shoves at the door. Oh, here, you need in? And uh, Penelope opens the door. And <laughs> Daybreak looks up 
with kind of a weary expression, but also one that kind of unmistakably reads like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? But (laughs) do I know this is Daybreak? Uh, I think Tissa's already greeted Daybreak by name, so. Ah, yeah, that's true. And Daybreak limps inside and you see three people in the room. You see Isabel sitting behind the counter, drinking something that is pitch black with swirls of bright violet in it and just kind of leaning on her elbow. Her father is nowhere to be seen. Presumably he's on one of his little jaunts. You see Rada just sprawled in one of the booths and Fulquin sitting next to them fussing. Both her head and her arm are pretty heavily bandaged. Yeah, what's going on here? Uh, Ugh. Hey, loser. What happened to you? Did that s- And Fulkwood kind of gives a weak little, ha ha. Ha ha. Ha. How did that stupid dust get out? No. It was... It was something else. And Rada forces themselves up into a sitting position despite Fulquin's frantic don't do that gesture. And Daybreak kind of clumsily jumps up onto the table to sit next to them. Tissa rolls three successes on sensitivity spirits. Is it overwhelmingly bright in here? It is not. With the exception of those gold smears you can see all over the pharmacy portion of the building. Cobb just kind of, like, is leaning back a little bit, and he has his arms crossed. So what exactly could do this to all of you? Chuka is... what? Where? Mm. And Fulquin just kind of looks down and shrinks. Isabel comes over with drinks for the two of them and a saucer of what looks like confetti for daybreak. Aww. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it made a mess. You could tell Isabel is looking at her new friend's wounds pretty anxiously. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it look like anybody needs other, like, medical attention, or does Isabel... Oh, yeah. They look like Isabel has been taking good care of them. Okay. But what happened? Daybreak settles into a sitting position in that little wiggly way cats have, and their tail starts to flick. And they say, he calls himself the Chosen Emperor. A demon. Yep. And at that, Daybreak's ears flatten. I didn't realize that there was one who lived around here, let alone this inside the city this far. Yeah. Well, wherever he lives, he knew where we were. Oh. That's unusual. 
And Cobb kind of leans to Tissa. That's unusual, right? They don't usually go after people like that. That's not... That's not usual. And Isabel kind of gives Daybreak a little flick on the forehead and says, And who exactly broke my door? Well, well, that was me. Mm. <laughs> and the, the gold paint? And Daybreak gives this affronted, puffed-out cat look. I was assaulted. Oh, oh. By the demon? By the demon. Yeah. I decided to be my usual size, and my usual size took the door out. And the gold paint, was that you too? That's what came out when I got him one. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Cobb kind of has like a self-satisfied look over that. (laughs) And again, Daybreak gives a little wiggle. I'm a dragon after all. Mm. Quite right. And Rada groans and kind of flops back into their reclining position. Yeah, uh, he got this one worst. What was it looking for? Or was it just starting beef for reasons? Fulquin kind of gives herself a little hug and shrinks a little. He just came to me and and took it. Oh. Took it? Took... Juge? And Fulquin nods. All right. Everybody stay right here. I'll be right back. I've got an idea. I'll be right back. And Cobb, like, takes off as fast as he can. Uh, where's he headed? He is headed back to Mr. Sot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Sot is uh, fishing from the deck of the Westbreaker, as he usually does in his afternoons. Mr. Sot, you're... Oh, good. Glad you're okay. Um, What's up, Captain? Well, something unfortunate has been going on here in town. Uh, I need you to get your special rock and and come with me. I'm sorry to interrupt the fishing. We'll get more of this later, but right now... uh, Aye, sir. And yeah, he scampers. And then he, he comes back with the small package that you gave him. All right. Come on, we're needed back at our new friend's place. Yeah, come on. Yeah, uh, sure. Here, up. And Cobb kind of, like, leans over to let Sot piggyback on him. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. All right. Someone needs our help. Uh, sure. Sure thing. And the two of you make your way through the streets of Hushwave City back to the busted apothecary. Now that you're back at the apothecary, you can recognize the deep scratches that Daybreak left in the floor of their home near Northridge. And you can see a couple scales, too. Yeah, that must be one heck of a heavy hitter to land them on Daybreak like that. Anyways, Tissa, Penelope, Fulquin, Rada, Daybreak. Huh? Hey, hey, we're back. Oh, hey. Uh, Mr. Sot. Give our, um, and Cobb motions to Fulquin. Let her have it for, uh, I think it'll help. Um, and she genuinely seems like uh, really hesitant to take this from him. 
Like she continues to shrink. She was never particularly big, but she's borderline wilting. If you had a connection to one of the pieces, you may have a connection with another and we might be able to, you might be able to use it to find where the other one went. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, we'll, we'll try. And she takes the chip in her hand and wraps her hand around it and presses it against her chest and closes her eyes and is silent for a moment. And with another deep groan, Rada pushes themselves back up again. It's time Folkwin is too absorbed in what she is doing to stop them. There's a scent of smoke as Isabel is calmly lighting something on fire behind the bar. And eventually, Folkwin opens her eyes. Daybreak is standing, facing her, swooshing their tail back and forth. Okay. Okay. I've never tried to do that before. There are so many. Oh. He's... He took it to the mountains. But there are so many. The mountain plural? There are mountains in the Coral Coast. They're just... Like old domed volcanic mountains that aren't particularly mm. high or dramatic. So you think he has more of them? There are so many of them. But he has a lot. I. I mean. Tissa, like, sort of is feeling like I don't dare say what I think I want to say. And so she is, like, leaning so hard she might as well be doing a push-up off of the bar. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it... Who is Juga? Fulquin shakes her head. He never told me. I asked, but he never said. Hmm. <sighs> Because he feels familiar, Mm. bright, and big. Yeah. And she crouches a little to be a little closer, says, It's really dangerous to keep this, but you can have it back if you want. I'm... I'm going to the mountains. Ah! Rada lurches forward to lean on their elbows on the table. All right. Mountains. Um, I, I mean, you look like you've been pretty hurt. Are you sure? Yeah, in that state, I don't think you should be going anywhere. Not yet. Yeah, Daybreak rests a paw on Fulkwin's hand and says, Later. When you two aren't all bandaged up. I could go any time, of course, but I have you two to think of. And Fulquin leans over to rest her head against Rada. 
My dragons are so good. I'm so sorry this happened to you too. And she starts welling up and has to kind of like hide her face in Rada's hair so no one can see that she's started crying. Isabel slides Tissa a tumbler full of steely colored smoke. Tissa like wafts it into her nose like you would a chemistry beaker. It's kind of soothing. Mm. Ominous looking, but it smells soothing. Mm-hmm. So what did what did he even look like? Mm. Gold. Like a person made of gold. Dressed in big robes, like a lot. You know, definitely ostentatious enough to be one. Tissa, like, slams her hands back onto the bars. Emperor. Like the pollen said. With the party's permission. At, like the pollen said, I think I would like to declare it memory time. My memory was Penelope and Tissa's, uh... That was nice. Yeah. Like, I think Penelope and Tissa's interaction was so nice. Because we haven't really interacted one-on-one super much. So it was really cool to kind of transfer knowledge and it was really fun to watch Tissa like like Tissa could be more quiet but it it was exciting when Tissa would get excited and and quite vocal yeah it was a nice learning moment that was good I think that like the way that Tissa interacts with people like talking about things and how to do things and like thinking about things Mm -hmm. is like one of the big ways that she shares intimacy with people. So, yeah, yeah it was really good. Yeah. I really liked it. I like your plot hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. That was also very good. <laughs> Although I, I guess if we're staying down here, then my surprise will have to wait until next time. Mm. And by next time, I mean next adventure arc. Yeah. I'm not going to keep you guys in the tropics forcibly. Mm -hmm. This is my overarching plan for season two. However, we still have to do character arcs. We still have to give everybody a time in the spotlight. So I'm going to make sure Nick's plan happens. Good, because I'm in the dark about Nick's plan. And so I'm excited for it. I am Mm -hmm. less in the dark about Kat's plan. So I am also excited for it. (laughs) <laughs> I think you're the least in the dark about Kat's plan, just because you normally have me pretty much figured out. <laughs> Listener, thank you for joining us this week and every week. We appreciate your company. We really do. It's always lovely when you can join us for games. 
If you have your own memories to share with us, please do so on Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs or at SwordOfSymphonies.com on the email form on our website. You can also check out the Heroic Chord playtest manual at PeachGardenGames.itch.io or SwordOfSymphonies.com. You can find it from there. Play it with your friends. Let us know what you think. We would love to hear your stories. Tell us your stories at the Heroic Discord, which you can find in the episode description. Absolutely. We have gotten to hear some, like, great playtest stories, and they have been incredible. Yeah, that's, that's no lie. That's very true. Speaking of telling your stories, the SRD behind Heroic Chord, Harmony Drive, is officially live so you can visit peachgardengames.itch.io and get the base rules that you can hack into your own version of Heroic Chord. You must tell me if you do this. You must. It's in the license. It's in the <laughs> license. You must. I must know about your stories. It's literally in the license, right? I'm pretty sure I remember to put it in there. Yeah. Good, good, good. I'm pretty sure I remembered. I guess the moral of the story is, I'm pretty sure I remembered. Thanks, listener. See you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Orange change. Linda raises her rapier into the air. She feels a surge of power. She's engulfed in like this swirl of golden glittering light. Zen touches the tip of her cutlass to the ground and whips it upward, and a column of water following the point of the blade engulfs her completely. Hope takes off like a shot and runs through various pitch black walls that form into the various components of her suit. Get her! Get them! Get the princess! We're going to be playing the tabletop role-playing game Henshin. Henshin does not use dice. Hope will grab the little decorative shield that's hanging on the wall, use it to surf down the stairs to get some momentum, and then jump off and just land feet first into these these guys. We have to get back to the ship. We have to go now. We're looking for something called a um, regalia key. I'm going to find you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make you pay. This, this is the Eternity, Eternity Archives. Archives. Find us online at theeternityarchives.com or wherever you prefer to listen. 